So far in our time together, we've, we've established why God through Paul is writing to the Christians here in Crete, and specifically the, the regarding the way that they live. And uh, because these people that now obviously have the Spirit of God in them, that their character is going to be different. And that's really at the heart of what we've been discussing here. We don't just want do this, do this, do this, so that others can see that you belong to God. This is really God changing you at your core, and something that even Dad said this morning that I thought was good for us is that this is something that God implants in us, but it's something that we have to be obedient in. Those two things working together, the Spirit and what God has put in us, and then us being obedient is the way in which our character is changed. At the core of it, Paul is saying to these group of, this group of people through this family talk is that you need to be examples to the unsaved world around you. And as we saw in Titus 2.14, it says, we want you to be people who are zealous for good works. Just by way of review to the older men, you need to model maturity, dignity, faith, love, perseverance. Older women, you are to model holy living, a sweet and sacred demeanor, and you're also designed and intended to teach the younger women to love your family, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be kind, to be keepers at home, and be submissive to your husbands. Now, today, we're moving to this fourth group, the younger men. Kind of tried to establish who we're talking to here and based off of what we said with the older men. Younger men, we're talking about 49 and below. I heard a pastor once say, one of the most endangered species within the ministry of the church is a vitally engaged, responsibly active, spiritually maturing young man. Which is sad, but I've seen it even in my lifetime that that is the case and that is true. If you actually look at the world around us, you'll notice that, that men are living in this like prolonged state of adolescence. They're acting like children far beyond the time which... I mean, you go back even, I know to my, my grandparents, and you've heard stories from your parents or grandparents about how you, they were thrust into these mature ways of living because of having to work on the farm or because of having to help provide for their family. And the reverse is true now. One author of an article said on this topic, he said, I quote, once upon a time, this is just one example, video games were for young boys and girls, but those boys have grown up to become child man gamers. In 2021, this year, it's actually projected for that industry alone to make somewhere around, grow somewhere around $180 billion. And this isn't just about video games. This is about maturity, manhood. It's kind of disappointing that no one's really challenging these young men to understand what it means to have deeper connections in life. And I think that kind of goes back to the video games. If you think of what, what most are pictured as, they're sitting at a computer with a headset on, talking to somebody out there, they may know the person, they may not, but there are these connections that are being made or the person with their phone that's scrolling through social media. What are you doing? Oh, I'm looking and connecting with all of my friends. Are you really? And it's those deeper connections that we're really trying to address here. So we need a culture that can really help these young men identify and pursue truly worthy aspirations. I thought this was an interesting quote. Boys don't naturally become men. I think that's the assumption. I get older, so I become a man. That's not how it works. Any godly adult must be made. And any spiritual maturity isn't just, it's not just a given. Even if I attend church, therefore I'm going to be spiritually mature one day. It has to actually be modeled, which we'll get to in just a few moments here. So this is why Paul, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit here, chooses very carefully what he says in verse number 6. If you want to look there, we're in Titus 2, verse number 6. Young men, likewise, exhort... You are to be sober-minded. 
In other words, another translation that can word there for exhort, urge the young men. This is more than just a command to these young men. The Greek word here that's used is actually a word which means to call alongside or to come beside. It's the same word that's used other places in the New Testament to actually describe what the Holy Spirit does with us. In John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And it also is used to describe the ministry of Christ in 1 John 2, 1. So what Paul is actually doing here, he's commanding Titus to come alongside these young men. He says, live on a continual basis, the kind of lifestyle that I'm about to describe for you. You all understand this. Our greatest threat isn't like this spiritual blowout. It's the slow leak that gets us, that you don't notice it. Like that's our biggest threat in, in our spirituality. Titus, exhort them, teach them, but also come alongside them and help them live a very specific way. And what is that way? Look back at verse number six, exhort or urge them to be sober-minded. Paul begins by saying, teach them how to act. In every aspect of life, urge these young men to be sensible. Exercise self-control. One author said, self-control is the ability to see a godly goal and choose that goal over and against competing desires. This can be a challenge to young men. They're passionate, they're ambitious, they have goals, they have desires. We have an idea, and do we put a lot of thought into it as young men? Those of you that were young men or still are young men? No, we're like, man, I'll figure that out along the way. Along the way. I'm gonna go do this. And what we found is a lot of times that ambitious and just spur of the moment gets ourselves in trouble. And that can extend beyond just having a good idea about something in life. It can also have to do with our spirituality. And Paul is saying here, if you want to live a life that matters, if you want to actually make an impact for the gospel, then let self-control rule your emotions and your desires. The next phrase, look down at verse number seven there. He actually delivers to Titus a personal challenge. He says, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. If you're going to be any help to young men, Titus, then you must also show them how to live these this way. Young people... Young believers, I know that we know this, but being aware of this all the time, and again, this is where having a son has really helped me with this, and I'm becoming more and more aware of this as he becomes more verbal and responds to things and throws in his two cents on things, but young people are always watching. But especially those of you that have had children and now they're growing up, you're like, oh man, I wish I would have, or I still need to so that they can see how to. This is something that concerns me because my generation, we know the Bible. A lot of us, people that I've gone to school with, they don't really care about living the Bible. And if that's the case, because we were modeled by our parents, for the most part, people that knew the Bible and lived the Bible. But now my group knows the Bible, sometimes when it's convenient or where we want to, wants to live it, what do you think the next group is going to be? They're not only going to not really know it, but they're, they're absolutely not going to have any care about living it. Paul understands this, which is why he doesn't just suggest to Titus, urge them or even plead with them or stand up and teach them Sunday school lessons about it. He says to them, he commands them, show yourself to be an example of good works. By the way, just so that we're clear here, Paul's not defining. I've said this several other times, but I want it to be clear for, for you all and for maybe people that are, that are hearing this as well. But like he's not defining this is what it is for you to be saved. <laughs> He's defining them, this is, this is what it means to live like a Christian. The world around them, seeing the way that Titus is living as an example. He wants people around them to understand, this is how we must live. And show the world around you, this is how we must live. Next, Paul gives a pattern for how young men are to think. Look at, look at the second half of verse number 7. In doctrine showing uncorruptness. This isn't about choosing the right answers on a Bible doctrines test. 
This is about actually developing a Christian mind. This one's really important. I think this one's super, super important. So please listen closely to this. It's about making the right biblical choices. It's about making the right biblical choices in life. And it's about looking at life through a biblical perspective. A Christian worldview is another way that we've put it. Having sound doctrine, thinking biblically, it only comes through truths revealed through God's Word. Our world more than ever needs this. If you think about what our world and the way that we live in this consumer mentality, I was just talking with somebody about this just yesterday. We want things quick. We want things that make us laugh. We want things that entertain us i.e. we want amusement. We just want to be kind of entertained and, and laugh and then go on our merry ways. Why are we shocked that our spiritual health is the way it is? If you were to stuff McDonald's in your face as your main diet for a year, what, how do you think your health is going to be? And it's the same way with our spiritual lives. Turn, if you would, for a moment to Psalm 119. Developing a Christian mind is the point of what I want to look at here. And as we look at this, I want, to, I want, to, want you to see the thinking process that the psalmist has here. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for their, thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Look up at verse number 28 now. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove me the way of lying and grant thy law graciously. I have chosen thy way of truth. Thy, judge, thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, thy way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. And finally, verse number 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Let me summarize it this way. You cannot act like this unless you think like this. And you will never think like this unless your heart and your mind are saturated with biblical truth. Not just reading it, not just reading through it. Heard somebody even suggest for young men, I know here where every other year at least you're encouraged to read through the Bible. I heard one pastor say, even for young men, why not instead of doing that, why don't you take one book of the Bible and take the whole year to go through it? Most young men, if you were to mention that to them, they would say, I'll get done with that. I'll get through it really quickly. But those of you who know and have had the opportunity to study deep down in know that sometimes a year isn't long enough. This spiritual thinking, biblical thinking, only comes through us studying on and meditating on God's Word. So he says, Titus, tell the young men in doctrine, show uncorruptness. Now, if you would, look at, verse, at the end of verse number 7. The characteristics of gravity and sincerity. This is the same word, by the way, that Paul used earlier to charge the old men to be dignified. It means to have being someone who is worthy of respect. Young men, act in a manner so that others respect who you are. Here's the point with this. The world's not going to take you seriously if you don't take your Christianity seriously. What are they seeing from you and what are they hearing from you? And that leads us to the last piece of instruction here. A pattern for the way young men are to speak. Verse number eight, sound speech that cannot be condemned. This is a word that should be familiar as well if you've been in here because we talked about sound being something that is healthy and clean. <coughs> a young man isn't just known for how he acts, not just for how he thinks, but also for how he talks. 
Psalm 141.3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And what's the motivation for our clean speech? Look at the end of that verse, verse number eight. That he that is of contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Look at that last word, to say of you. That last word that's translated there in the English language is actually a bit misleading. You know this. We can use the word you to describe you. Ben? Okay. You, 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 or we can use it to describe you. By the way, if a southerner were to have translated the Bible, they would have said y'all, right? Okay, you get the point. As a matter of fact, if you look at some other translations here, it says, so that your opponent will be put to shame having nothing to say about us. What talk, what comes out of your mouth, young men, what comes out of your mouth isn't just, and really for the whole church, isn't just a reflection on you. It's a reflection on all of us. It's a reflection upon our church. You know that this is how life works. However you act in the world, your world thinks that's how we all act. Uh, especially those of you that have had been around Bob Jones, whether as a student or where I had somebody just do this to me the other day. You have one person from Bob Jones do one thing, and what do they assign to the 2,500 other people that are from there? That's how all Bob Jones people act. I heard a preacher joke one time. He was joking, but he really wasn't. He said, so if you don't act like a Christian, please, you have my permission not to tell anyone you go to church here. Tell them to go to, that you go to the church down the road. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Here's the really cool thing. If you look through all of Scripture... What you'll find is that God's method for ministering to and being an influence in the world is actually to take somebody, an individual, somebody who's right, and stick them in the middle of an evil culture and have the way that they talk, their everyday conversations, the way that they think, the way that they're thinking, being biblically guided, and the way that they live through self-controlled styles. He uses those people to show the world around what it means to actually be a disciple of Jesus. If you're not any different than the world around you, then how are you showing the world what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Ultimately, this really isn't about us. It's about the character and reputation of Christ. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, the unbelievers, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evil doers, they may, because of your good works as they observe them, glorify God. We are to show the world around us by our talking and by our thinking and by our acting that there's much more. There's so much more to live for. Something far, far better. This is exactly really what Paul is saying to the young men. He's saying, don't forget as you live, as you chase your dreams, if we can summarize it, there is nothing more important than the credibility of your testimony. There is nothing more vital than the delivery of the gospel. There is nothing more critical than the reputation of the church. There is nothing more ultimately glorious than bringing honor and attention and praise to the one who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ. It is somewhat interesting that as you look through this list, that list for the young men really isn't very long. It really is be self-controlled. Hey, Titus, show them how to be these other things. And if you look at those other things, the self-control is really the, at the root. It's what it is. And what is self-controlled? It's saying no to self and yes to whoever told me to do whatever told me what to do. And in this case, it's what God told me to do. Really, though, isn't that all of our call? To say no to self, sinful desires, what I want to do, how it makes me feel, etc., and instead submitting to what God wants me to do, not just so that I can check off some boxes or be more spiritual, but so the world around me can see who I am, who I belong to, can be drawn to him to be added to the kingdom so that more can glorify 
the one who died for us.